Hi, I'm Isabel Prosper. Welcome to the First Time Moms Beyond 35 podcast. On today's episode, we're going to get a little insight on polycystic ovary syndrome, PCOS, which is a health problem that affects one in 10 women of childbearing age. Women with PCOS have a hormonal imbalance and metabolism challenges that may affect their overall health and appearance. The condition is a common and treatable cause of infertility. In today's episode, I am speaking with new mom, Rachel Chambers-Rudd, a woman with PCOS, diabetes, and she is obese. Take a listen and be encouraged by her story. I came across your story and I wanted to have you on to share with others uh, what you've gone through. So can you tell us a little bit about you and you can share anything that you'd like to share? Sure. Um, I'm 41. I uh, am married. I got married in 2012. I met my husband in 2009. Um, When we met, he had a a barely four-year-old daughter. Um, So I had a ready-made family when we got married, um, which was wonderful. I always wanted children. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was at the time working as an aircraft dispatcher, um, but we needed to homeschool our daughter. And so I quit working there. Oh, it's been five or six years now to stay home full time with her. And, um, while she was doing school, I would sew doll clothes. So that was my job, um, for like 18 inch American girl dolls. And I do custom, mostly custom cheer outfits, um, which I stopped when I got pregnant. (laughs) Of course, busy, right? Yes, they were very time consuming and it was, uh, I was tired, <laughs> quite, mm-hmm. quite honestly. I know I the feeling. <laughs> so have so, you been able to start that again or it's still on the back? Um, no, I've, um, honestly, the baby's only a month old. Um, so no, and um, I don't have any plans to begin quickly. And I sort of told my customers, you know, it's, it's on hold indefinitely until, um, the baby gets a little bit older it's Mm -hmm. each outfit takes about 15 to 20 hours um and it's it's in high demand there's a lot of girls doing cheer nowadays and um it was an overwhelming amount of hours of work (laughs) to Mm -hmm. put it lightly um so with a newborn in the house that's just not not even possible so I was thinking I might still sew some doll clothes you know for fun things that I enjoy yeah. doing mm-hmm. um instead of the custom orders so I may get back to that when he you know gets a couple months older but sure and I mean that's another thing that another issue that we're we all deal with as first-time moms I think especially because you mm-hmm. really want to be involved in all the oh, aspects yeah. that you can with your child so having to work um makes it extremely difficult um, oh, yeah. Of course, there are people who do go back to work after, you know, six to eight weeks of being at home, which is really difficult. So you're very fortunate if you're able to stay home. Are you planning oh, to stay home as a stay-at-home mom for a while? Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, we're not. <laughs> it would be very helpful to have that income. Um, but we we survive without it. So we're going to keep going. Um, and thankfully my, my stepdaughter is old enough now to understand, you know, if things are tight, that, you know, Christmas might be a little lighter. Birthdays might be a little lighter, but she's yeah. old enough to understand why. And uh, the baby's of course too young to, to know any difference. So um, it makes it a little bit easier because of the, just the stage sure. we're at in life. But mm-hmm. yeah. 
So you were, you didn't mention this when you gave us a little snapshot of you, um, but one thing I think is extremely important and encouraging for other moms or, or people trying to get pregnant right now mm-hmm. is that you were diagnosed with PCOS and diabetes. Yeah. Yes. Um, can you speak to us a little bit about that? Tell us about your experience. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I had an IUD, um, which I got shortly after meeting my husband, my husband when we were dating. Um, and a couple of years after we got married, I had it removed. Uh, I think that was 2015. And my cycles were not on track after I had that removed. Um, I, my period didn't start back like it should have. So I, I made an appointment to go see the doctor and figure out what was going on. And um, they did a blood test, obviously, um, thinking that it was a PCOS situation. So she sort of explained what that was and did a blood test. And um, it came back, actually, that, yes, I did have that. But more importantly, it had already developed into diabetes. Um, And so for people who aren't really familiar with PCOS, it it has to do a lot of times with insulin resistance in your body, um, your body not processing insulin correctly. And um, if you're not treated for it and you've had it for years, which I think may have been the case with me, um, it can develop into diabetes. So it was like the diagnosis came as kind of a double blow because by then they are not addressing PCOS anymore. You're addressing diabetes, which is a mm-hmm. um, sort of a bigger battle. Um, so it was kind of like the diagnosis that was never, <laughs> like I was never really treated for PCOS or we never really discussed it because it immediately went into diabetes treatment. Um, mm-hmm. And just because I'm super lucky that year, I was also diagnosed with something called PMLE, which is polymorphic light eruption, which is an allergy to the sun. Um, and this all happened early in the summer in 2016. And I found it very depressing at the time because at the time I was covered in a rash from the sun allergy. And then I was getting older. I was, you know, 36 and I had always wanted a baby and I was being told not only am I diabetic, which I know can break down your body very quickly, but I'm covered in a rash and I may never have babies. So it was just like one blow after the other. And I was feeling very defeated at that point in time, honestly. Um, and so you, you do what the doctor tells you, you listen to the diagnosis, you get the treatment, you start taking metformin or whatever it is, um, change your diet, change your exercise and, and try and make, make things better. Um, but I was feeling very defeated at that point in time, honestly. And I, I, I think that's when I started sort of my mindset sort of changed at that point, And I sort of resigned myself to the fact that I may never have a baby of, of my own. Mm-hmm. Um, I was kind of through the next four years kind of made my peace with it. If that makes sense to you um, that, you know, by the time we got to 2020, I was not happy about it, but I was okay with the idea of just um, raising my stepdaughter who I was very fortunate to have. Um, and, you know, retiring with my husband here in a few years. So I was kind of like resigned. I made my peace. Um, right. So that's where I now, was. Had you been told, had you been told that you would not be able to carry, to get pregnant and carry a baby to full term? No, I had not. Um, to be honest, at that point, we hadn't tried. We hadn't been married that long. We'd had a lot of stuff going on. Um, but I, I'm very overweight and diabetic and, I just, I don't know. I just didn't think that I could. Um, we'd have been having, you know, we've been married since 2012 and haven't had protection for years and nothing had ever happened. Mm-hmm. So I just assumed I couldn't. Um, and then, so I know I never saw it like fertility treatments. I never went to a doctor about it or talked about it. I never, 
like I said, I kind of just made my peace with the idea that it wasn't going to work for us without a lot of trouble and a lot of work. And I, I wasn't ready to, to take that step. Um, right. Like we were taking care of my, my mother-in-law at the time who was sick. Um, we didn't have time to focus on it. I, I knew it was a big undertaking to, to deal with like trying to conceive. And um, we, at the time, you know, we were trying to raise a, at that time, a preteen daughter and my moved my mother-in-law into our house um, and she had dementia and it was just, mm-hmm. there was a lot on our plates and it wasn't something that For I had sure. to really like focus on or address at that time. Got it. Got it. So how did you reduce your stress having to deal with all of this? I mean, also bringing, you know, your mother-in-law in the home and taking care of her. Yeah. Um, you must, I mean, you said you had a lot on your plate. How did you manage that stress? Um, <laughs> to be honest with you, I had a couple breakdowns, honestly. Um, raising kids is hard. Raising a um, older woman is impossible. Um, it's very, very, very hard. Um, mm-hmm. And I, there were a couple times when I really was at my breaking point um, with that. I was very um, overwhelmed by it and felt like I was failing her. Like I wasn't um, providing like what she needed from me. And um, I actually contacted my church and got a Stevens minister. I don't know if you know what that is, but that's a um, a person from the community. They're not necessarily trained in counseling. They're trained in listening. Um, and so I met with this woman about once a week and we sat in a little restaurant eating lunch and she listened and that was it. Perfect. Uh, Perfect. And it was just a way for me to vent and get stuff mm-hmm. off my chest and to come back like recharged and ready to tackle the next week. Um, and that was an amazing help to me at the time. I also joined a women's um, it's, it's called She Shares. It's a program through my church. I'm not sure if other churches have it. Um, I haven't heard of that one, but that's a great program. Yeah, this um, other program, they would, um, it was older women who had already raised their families and they would host a group of younger women who were just starting out their homes with their families. And once a week, they would cook a meal for these girls. And um, so we'd start the meeting with them telling us what they prepared, how they prepared it, you know, and, and doing a presentation like um, it was more like a formal dinner, like a, with place settings and they'd serve us. And it was just wonderful, wonderful. Mm-hmm. And so they'd spend the first like hour of the meeting feeding us dinner and and just spoiling us. And then we'd spend the second half talking about um, different aspects of motherhood and being a wife mm-hmm. and, whatever. and um, it was just it was just community. It was just a, a chance to be with other women, both my age and older than me. Um, you know, some who are going through the same thing as I'm going through and some who have already been through it and out the other side. And so it was yeah. very encouraging, a very good program. I was very, those two things. And that was maybe once every two weeks or once a month or something like that. But it was just enough, enough to give me like a, mm-hmm. a boost to get me through the next mm-hmm. battle, if that makes sense. And those two things really 100%. tremendously, they did. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And I mean, that falls under self care as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and that and community. Yes. And really, I think that's what helps to keep people going is having that support group. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and otherwise, being alone and, and isolated can send a person spiraling, you know, into deep depression and 
going into a dark place, it, it's really hard to get out of that. Right. So good for you. Yeah. In finding the community. Oh, it was invaluable. Um, like I, I highly recommend that. I mean, if you feel like you're at that point, like seek it out. Cause I did. Um, I, I knew mm-hmm. I was at a point where I needed something to sort of bridge that for me that, you know, just venting to my husband wasn't enough at that point. Um, Cause he was in the same trenches. So it kind exactly, of helped, yeah. helped to get someone with an outside perspective to just listen. Um, mm-hmm. And it was incredible. Yeah. So I highly recommend that. Okay, good. Thank you. And so fast forward somewhere along the way, <laughs> you, you got pregnant. I did. I did. Um, How did that happen? I, I mean, obviously, we know what it takes for that to happen. <laughs> That's exactly how it happened. Um, no, it was, it was a huge surprise to us, honestly. Um, we were not trying. Um, my period was late. Mm-hmm. And... I jokingly said something to my daughter in the car that week about my period being a few days late. And she's like, well, maybe you're pregnant. And I said, no, <laughs> I said, no, <laughs> that's not it. That can't be it. And um, then it was Valentine's day and I bought a pregnancy test um, on Valentine's day. Oh, I get nice. positive. And um, I didn't believe it. Cause it was, and did you, did, I was just going to ask that. Did you believe it? I did not. Of course not. And I, I bought the one from the Dollar Tree. I was like, no, this one's not right. So then I went to Kroger and yeah. got the $3 one. And uh, yeah. <laughs> that one came back positive too. But I didn't believe that either because it was only a $3 test. So then I went to Walmart and got the <laughs> um, And that's that hilarious. one I believe. Because <laughs> it said pregnant. There was no, <laughs> there was no mystery. Um, so that's the point when I called the doctor and my mother. <laughs> and Yeah, I, exciting. So, um, so yeah, that was about a month before I turned 41 and, uh, I was still in the same position. You know, I still had diabetes. I'm still overweight. I still am 41 <laughs> or 40. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Um, so we were surprised and happy, but terrified, um, because mm-hmm. that I was high risk in almost every way you can be. Um, and so although like you believe that you're pregnant, you're sort of still suspended belief because you're thinking this can't possibly Mm -hmm. going, you know, something's going to happen. So I was constantly waiting for the other, other shoe to fall, you know, to, to, for something to go wrong. Um, And I, I honestly did not believe everything was going to go right until that baby was in my arms nine months later. So I, I I think I spent the entire nine months waiting for something to go wrong. Nervous. Yes. (laughs) And were you working with a, were you working with a specialist? Yes. Um, The minute I was diagnosed by my GP um, as pregnant, Mm -hmm. she referred me immediately to an endocrinologist. um, Good. And an OBGYN. Because until then Mm -hmm. I just had my GP doing my OBGYN stuff because I had nothing going on, you know. Um, mm-hmm. so she referred me to an OBGYN and then of course they referred me to maternal fetal medicine for high risk. Um, so I had all three mm-hmm. on board <laughs> plus my GP. Good. So, uh, yeah, I had an entire team, uh, working with me and, um, honestly, the biggest help through all of it was the endocrinologist of all people, which surprised me, but I had a terrific endocrinologist. He's the diabetes doctor. 
And um, mm-hmm. I was in contact with him about every three or four days for the entire nine months. Oh, that's a lot. Yes, I was. I was emailing him because we were in the middle of COVID anyway. I couldn't go into his office for a couple months there at the beginning. And um, oh, you doing... had that layer as well to deal with. Yes, of course. Um, <laughs> of course. Yes, we had to add more stuff. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I was, and I, I, I have to admit, I'm sort of a hyper planner. Um, my husband makes fun of me all the time for, you know, over analyzing everything. But um, I knew diabetes was a, was a big thing and um, that it could make my baby bigger. It could make the pregnancy not go to term. It could make a, a million things happen. And even though I had other risk factors, that was the one that was controllable, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, that yes. one I could do something about. Mm-hmm. So that's why mm-hmm. I was, I was hyper vigilant about contacting him every three or four days with my blood sugar numbers. Um, if they were all running good, cause I knew what my range was, I didn't contact him that often, but if things started to go off kilter, I would immediately email him. Um, and he, is there something that can be done though? To yes. Um, control. Yes. Um, pregnant, pregnant as a type two diabetic, um, they immediately take you off. This is true for most women, I would believe. Um, they immediately take you off any of your pills. So they took me off the metformin and glipicide, which are just regular oral pills, um, and immediately put you on insulin. So the reason okay. the insulin doesn't cross the placenta. Um, okay. Oh, got it. So you're immediately put on insulin. That's mm-hmm. not true for gestational diabetes. If you can control your numbers with diet and exercise or whatever, they um, typically will just have you check your blood sugar. But if your numbers can't be controlled, okay. they will then prescribe insulin as well um, because they have to okay. the numbers down to keep the baby safe. So okay. as a type two diabetic, when my numbers were out of whack, he could always adjust the insulin. Um, and as perfect. A pregnant diabetic, it requires an enormous amount of insulin to control those numbers. Um, by the time I delivered, and unless you're a diabetic with, I, I can give you a, a frame of mind, but um, when I delivered, my slow-acting insulin, my nightly insulin, was 200 units, and my mealtime insulin was ranging from 50 to 90, depending on which meal. Wow. Um, to put that in perspective, after I delivered the baby, I'm now, because I'm breastfeeding, they keep me on insulin for a minute. So I don't have the metformin and stuff in my system for breastfeeding. Um, okay. I'm okay. now on six units a night. <laughs> that, Whoa. So that pregnancy. A huge difference. Yeah. It's insane. The amount of insulin it takes to require your requires to like control your blood sugar when you're pregnant. Like your numbers are just so wacky. It's nuts. They're just out of control but I could keep taking more insulin and he kept giving me more to make sure um we kept those numbers down and it worked so good thank god but it was an enormous I believe god is in all absolutely that's great absolutely and so now that you're at the stage as a mother in your 40s with a new baby what are some of the frustrations that you're dealing with um through motherhood and, and how do you manage them um like I said, I think that the hardest thing for me was like believing that this was all going to happen. And um, so although I was preparing for the baby, like physically, I have, you know, the nursery ready and I had everything collected mentally. I still wasn't sure this was actually going to happen um, until he was mm-hmm. in my arms. I didn't really believe that he was going to be here and be safe. Um, so it took me a minute to kind of adjust to the fact that, okay, he is here. And, and now I'm a mom and I'm 41 and I'm, 
Yes. I'm old yes. and I'm tired. And no, I'm you're not. Baby. You're still young. <laughs> yes, I know that. You're still young. <laughs> mentally, you're telling yourself these things. Um, <laughs> but no, it turns out um, that is probably the biggest challenge is um, the, the sleepiness initially. Because um, And mm-hmm. I don't require a ton of sleep normally. So I imagine for the women who do require more sleep, it's even worse. Um, but I can usually function mm-hmm. on four or five hours pretty pretty easily. Um, but with a newborn, it's closer to one or two hours <laughs> in many yeah. spurts, many times a day. So it, it takes mm-hmm. a bit of an adjustment. And um, I was not, uh, that's probably the biggest challenge, I think. And the other thing is um, relinquishing control of your household to your husband and teenage daughter. Um, mm-hmm. you, you know, you want to get in there and prepare dinner and tidy and do the things that you would normally do but your hands are full. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to kind of just yeah. let go of those reins a little bit and let things go. Fly, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And understand that frozen dinner is okay. We're all going to survive. Um, mm-hmm. And that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, things don't get cleaned quite to your schedule. That's okay too. Yeah. And they've been, honestly, they've been terrific. They really have. They've cooked dinner several times and they've been cleaning and taking care of everything. And, and that's wonderful. Excellent. But um, it does take a minute for you to just like slow yourself down and say, you know, you need to sit down and stop doing this. They can do it. They'll be fine. Um, yeah. But it is fun to focus on the baby. And I, I'm lucky I get to do that again. I work and I know a lot of mothers do and that I, I can't imagine doing it. Honestly, it would be so difficult. Um, but to know my only concern is that baby, it mm-hmm. made my day so much smoother, you know, that that's my, Absolutely. Right um, and everything else is taken care of, you know, by my, you're in a good place. So yeah, yeah. So we're, uh, we're doing Very pretty well. good. Yeah. Good. Um, what, what is, this is the last question. Um, what do you think every first time mom beyond 35 needs to know? Um, I think it's really important, both pregnancy and after the baby arrives, that you you do take time to care for yourself. Um, it's important, and you, you can't take care of that baby and your family unless you are, um, you know, taking care of yourself to some extent. Also, yeah. avoiding stress mm-hmm. is extremely important, and I know that's easier said than done, especially with everything going on right now. And and Trust me, I mean, if there were medals to give out for this, I think I would have gotten one this nine months because I mm-hmm. dealt with COVID. I really, think so too. You know, I was yeah. like, you know, I'm really proud. Dealt with a lot. Yes, of how I managed that stress. But um, it's really important to avoid it. it. And by avoiding it, I mean, just don't give it headspace. It's not that it's not there. It's always going to be there. Um, it's that your priority needs to be the baby. And um, mm-hmm. don't give that stuff space in your head. If you focus on your family and your baby and whatever, um, then it'll keep you on the straight and narrow. It'll keep you from spiraling into negative thinking and, you know, and making the situation harder. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously give yourself yeah. grace. Um, you're not going to do everything perfectly. And uh, it's mm-hmm. okay. um, as my mom told me the other day, just think of all the children that survive horrible parents. Um, so mm-hmm. you aren't as bad as mm-hmm. this baby's going to be fine. You know, <laughs> you're going to be yeah. fine. Yeah. Um, and then the other biggie is to, uh, communicate with your partner. It's really important that you have a good rapport with your, you know, your husband or whoever's helping you through this. And, yeah. um, um, mine's been invaluable. He really has been very, very good. And, um, Bless him. Yes, Bless him. It, it's extremely helpful to have someone that's in your corner and, and knows how hard this is and mm-hmm. is trying to help make it easier on everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And mm-hmm. then for me, uh, prayer works. It's uh, for me too. It, it, it really <laughs> Lean on God. It um it will reduce your stress. It'll give you hope, and uh, it keeps you going. And uh, and give you strength. Absolutely. And for me, it kept this baby and me safe and healthy for nine months, um, despite the worst odds. I mean, we had everything yeah. against us, and here I am with this beautiful, healthy boy, and yeah. um, everything was smooth, you know. And he's here, and everybody. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. um, it works. <laughs> Yes, huge congratulations. And that's a great message that you share. Thank you so much. So minute thoughts? No. Before we Um, Thank you. Thank you for, um, again, thank you for inviting me to do this. It was a lot of fun. And I am happy to try and help anybody I can because I know how hard this is. And uh, um, for me, I know I was just spiraling into like just weirdness. Like, is this really going to happen? Is this really going to happen? but oh my gosh, is it worth it when it does? So I, I'm just yeah, um, very eager to help God the other girls, you. you know, that are going through this. It's, it's yeah. very hard. Things are going to work out. I probably it do. Is. These babies are resilient. Is, yeah. <laughs> Thank God. I hope this helps someone today. If you know someone with PCOS who wants to have children, please share the story to encourage more people. Thanks so much for listening.